Hey, what's going on? It's Josh. You're live on Sippin' Tea with Josh, and today we have a special guest named Sean. Sean, how's it going? Pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, so um, we were having a conversation about something you've gone through, and I wanted to uh, speak to you a little bit about it, about the fact that you went to prison. So walk me through that. What was that like? You like going into prison, like the the first day, that type of, like, what do you mean, like how the situation happened that led me to prison? What? Yeah, yeah. Like, just just give me a little insight about how it happened. Not the actual situation, but just, do you think that that was built up from the beginning since childhood, or do you think that it just happened like by osmosis, bad luck? No, it definitely was not built up from my childhood. Absolutely not. I was given every opportunity that I could have been given to lead a productive and successful life. I made bad decisions that led me to prison or to situations that ended up resulting in situations that sent me to prison. And and what's... Um what were what were those things? What brought you there? How did you get into prison? Drinking, drinking, drinking alcohol, being in bars, being around people that were committing crimes or just not caring about the social order or law or the reasons why laws are in place in the first place. And I chose to surround myself with those people because I feel like they were identifying with the same things that I was identifying with, the feelings that I was having. Now, what was it like growing up? Did you have a mother and a father? Um, what was your, your living situation? I was raised by my mom and didn't meet my father until I was probably about eight years old-ish when my dad came back into my life. He was dealing with his own personal... He had his own personal battle that he was going through, so he wasn't around the first, you know eight years of my life, so I was raised by my grandmother and my, my mother together. My mom got married around that same time when I was eight, and I had a stepfather from that point forward, so really I had two dads. I went from having none to two. Now, was that stepfather uh, active or in disciplining and, and giving you guidelines, or was he just kind of present? Was he, he just kind of like he there? He did the best he could. He was a really great father figure. He did. He really did his best to provide a stable household and got us in a good school district. And I mean, he couldn't have done anything more to prevent what inevitably happened to me. It didn't really fall on. I don't feel like on the parenting style or you know, the provisions that they provided for me as a kid. They did everything they possibly could. They did it all right, you know, by the textbook. I, it was something more. So did you feel at any certain point in time where you felt your life was going south um, when you were young? Did That's you feel yourself getting into trouble and, and stuff kind of spiraling? Or... Were you just so in the moment that you didn't even really acknowledge? No, that's a really good question. No, from early on, I definitely kind of subliminally let 
you know, myself slip away and, and it, it, it was almost kind of like, uh, it was perpetual in the way that the longer the time went on that I spent not caring about things or doing my best to portray the image that I did not care about people or things or what happened in my life or others. Speaking it, it got, of, speaking got, of image, it what? It got crazier. It got, it got more. Speaking of image, what was your what was your image? Were you going for an image? Did you have a perception? Because like everybody has their own thing where they that something drives them, whether it be a hot chick or like they want to make the varsity basketball team. What was your drive that was making you to where you were like, "Hey, man, I gotta do this thing because I want that thing." So man. when you were younger, what was doing that for you? Yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird. So, like, when you, you mentioned young, I mean, like, when I was young and I was, you know, I'm thinking high school, the things that I wanted were completely out of my reach anyways. And it's funny looking back on it now because, like, I don't want those things now. And I wish I could tell my younger self. But, no, those things that I thought I wanted were just, you know, created imagery that, I mean, I was – believed just because I watched MTV and like identified with a punk rock image or whatever and I was pushed towards that just because of where I felt emotionally and you know the personality that I have I identified with that the best it seemed to fit so when I discovered that stuff yeah I did take on that image for sure I did I put energy into portraying that image but also it became me at the same time would you would you say you're a people pleaser? Do you like because um, you seem like you know like everybody wants to chill with you. Mm-hmm. You know you seem like you got it going on. You keep a good head on your shoulders. Um, do you find yourself that to yourself that you do people please? I feel like I got in a lot of trouble when I was trying to people please. And now that I've been staying lonely, I'm finding myself in a lot less precarious situation. Now, what about romance? Were you, did you have, uh, of course you had girlfriends, um, looking at your profile that you showed me. Um, were you ever in love? I thought I was, but um, now my modern image of what love is definitely doesn't fit what I, what I was involved in and what I proclaimed to be love and expressed so fluidly again I mean it kind of goes back to when you were talking about image I had an image in my head of what love was supposed to be and I wasn't listening to what was inside of me and told me how to express it I would suppress those those feelings and in turn do something that is manufactured for me and what I thought was right and following the rules and you know being a good boyfriend and it got me nowhere because instead of showing off my individuality it just I mean it really was just lame when was the last time you were in love, would you say? How old were you? Uh, like, in my mid-twenties. And before that, was there any time in your younger days? Oh, Of man. course, and when it's, you're a teenager, it's, it's like, you don't... You think you're in love, but it's like really nothing. Yeah, so, like, what, that, what was it like for you? That a bunch of times, you know? But <laughs> and it's funny to, like, bring it up but I mean like listening to the music I listened to when I was in high school compared to what other people did a lot of people listen to this like bubblegum like like real simple 
enjoyable music, and then like hip hop was exploding, and things like Limp Bizkit, and I mean, if you look at the TRL in two thousand and three, in two thousand and two, it's goofy. It's unimaginable that like people listen to that as a whole. So the music I listened to was a little bit deeper, and it you know. I identified with that and would express deeper feelings to pe- like girls who weren't prepared for that. So they like. So is that why like you listen to punk? Back backing up a little. Is that why you listen to punk? Did you like punk because the type of chick that you like like punk? Oh no. Or did you not really have a type? <laughs> no. What was your thing? No, but back all the way back, I thought I wanted like the prettiest like homecoming queen ass like cheerleader type, you know. But now. It's like the farthest opposite of that that there could be. But no, it, it definitely wasn't that. It's just like when you listen to punk music and you listen to underground, independently produced music, people tend to, to dip into like a, a deeper level and make music that has a deeper meaning than what a lot of like first or second album major label sign type pop bands or pop singers tend to produce. They don't produce music with depth because they're not supposed to they, they, they don't want that that doesn't sell that's not commercially acceptable so right. like me so early on listening to the that type of music and being attracted to that yeah i mean like it affected a lot of things totally i i couldn't agree with more i think that the music we listen to definitely influences our decision now when it talks about eminem killing people for instance yeah, that was I the don't same think time I don't think that that really that music influences people to kill people, but I think that it does set off a certain thing in your serotonin um, that makes you react a certain way. Yeah, it gives you aggressive you know, vibes so. for sure. He was feeling aggressive ass vibes when he was dropping those those rhymes, and it, it channels through his music to you. Someone who walks around all day with. You know, the Marshall Mathers album on is, is going to be an aggressive person because he's got that pumping into his head all day. And it's not just the lyrics. We can all like, use the logic and reason in our brain to look past lyrics and say, like, I, it's not what I listen to that makes me act. But at the same time, like, subliminally, that stuff is channeled into you, man, from M himself, from whoever made whatever music. It touches you. That's the magic of music. But, I mean, like... Yeah, I've definitely, me personally, I've put myself in dark places with dark music. Now, in listening to the music, um, were you into drugs? Did you ever experiment or anything? Well, yeah, with weed, weed, like skateboarding, weed, you know, being 14 and hanging out at the city park. Never any, never any hard stuff? Not until, like ecstasy or something? Not until later, no. It didn't happen until later, like, early on, it was just pot, but, like, as high school progressed, I don't know if it was our, where I grew up regionally, or what happened, but, yeah, we had an explosion of ecstasy back then, so that was, like, the second actual drug other than, like, over-the-counter Robitussin stuff that I had actually even tried, like, as a real designer drug. Right. Yeah, it's funny... You know, the term designer drug, <laughs> it's like, it's hilarious that they call it that, and that's that's what it is, but that's what it is, yeah. you know, and so that's funny. Yeah, you don't strike me as somebody that would be into, you know, like, glow sticks and popping e-pills or stuff like that, but I was just curious because um, I think that drugs do affect our outcome, and 
and how we are towards the world uh, along with the music. So, okay, let, uh, fast forward a little bit though. So you got in trouble um, back in the day. Um, were you, what was that like? What, did you go on probation at first? Like when you very first ever got into trouble? Because honestly, looking at you, seeing you, you don't strike me as a guy who commits crimes or a guy who even gets into trouble. So how do you find yourself in a position where you're going to court and doing probation or anything like that? How did that come to that, you think? Man, that's, that's, so that, that's a part of, so early on, like the first time it's funny to talk about it because even just this year now we can say, you know, marijuana is legal. But, so, like, the culture has changed in the last year here in Michigan. But, no, I got arrested for not even marijuana, but a pipe. As uh, 17 years old, and got charged as an adult. And then was put on adult probation. So, my by the time I was 18, I was on adult supervision. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, no person in their right mind would deny the fact that that psychologically affects a person's view on not only just our justice system, being a young adult who doesn't even really understand civics to learning the law from behind the bars, you know, you know, for lack of a better term. But no, yeah, it was terrible. Like it, it affected me very negatively for something that we see now is so mixed. Were, were you mad? Do you feel like the system failed you? Or it's were you kind of mad and, and that was your way of rebelling? I look at it now and the system didn't fail me. The system has safeties that are put in place to c prevent crimes from happening. Now in my the age that I am now, I don't want crime where I live. Even if it is little criminal mischief, I don't want punk kids tearing my bushes out of my front yard or knocking my mailbox over or whatever right. we were doing back then, you know, or grinding on the curb of my business and putting wax all over it and stuff. I'd rather donate money to build a skate park, you know, like, but people didn't look at that stuff like that back then. What yeah, we were I, th doing, I, think, I think times have changed in definitely, general. Definitely, know? but yeah, no, I got put into the criminal justice system and from that point forward, it was a revolving door that I could not get out of. It was quicksand and just, I went under in a matter of time. Um, back to, back to dating. So in the midst of when you were ever on paper, um, were you dating as well? Yeah, I would absolutely. Imagine. Definitely had a lively dating. So what, what did the, what did the girls think about it? Like, what did, <laughs> did, did you and the, your, your, um, your spouse or whatever, did you ever talk about, um, your problems as far as like getting off paper or achieving different stuff like what was your what was your thing or were you guys just like into each other i mean i can set it out pretty easy it's kind of like this so at, at at first when you're 18 19 20 through 23 i was in the bars i worked in bars worked in restaurants and serving became Involved in the lifestyle as well and was drinking and partying. So every girl that I dated back then was living the same lifestyle I was just off the hinge, you know, like so up until the time where I was dating someone and things had gone good for that uh, an extended period of time in our partying lifestyle. We weren't really too bad off. We were doing very well as a couple like what you think of why people date. We were doing well. We were both 
making good money, we weren't fighting, and what happened was is my criminal mischief, as time went on, wore her down, and she started wanting more, and I didn't. I was so involved with my, you know, the people I was involved with and whatever that I wasn't ready to step out, and she became so ready in a matter of a year or so that I didn't fit the bill anymore, and she had to do what was best for her, and I don't fault her for it at all. She actually left me one of the most precious gifts a person can leave someone, and that is the knowledge of what I did wrong and the way that I can prevent the pain that I caused her from happening to someone else, which I have to tip my hat to. It was a very elegant move. But yeah, that's, so that so, ended that way. So, totally. So why... Um after that, and it ended that, did you say to yourself that you were going to improve? That take, get, taking and given the knowledge that you were given from that female, um, did you feel like you were going to improve? I tried to. I tried to tell myself that, that clearly that's what the universe has set out for me. It gave me a super hard lesson, the hardest le lesson I'd taken at that point in my life. So, yeah... I did. I went to school and finished a trade school program and was going to go into that, but back to our old legal system, our, by fault of none other than my own, but I had no license because my license was suspended, so when I finished that school, I couldn't go to work. Oh, so wow. back to the bars we go, right? Wow. You know, back to where the fast money is, and what do you think happened in my dating life at that point? Back to waitresses, you know managers, bartenders, hostesses, whatever was around the restaurant. So you don't really seem like a player, but you seem like you definitely um, have no problem getting ladies. <laughs> Am I correct? It's funny because or... no one would. It just comes with the territory when you involve yourself in that. So, get it, so, so that given, the reason I say that is that given that you can, did you ever say to yourself at one point, okay, I need to just find something good and then build something with her? Or were you just kind of just like so lost in it that you were like, hey, you know, I don't like this or like this? Because I feel like obviously everyone has flaws. So every person that you ever go for, they're going to have a flaw. So yeah, but we're, not one big like that. Not the flaw that we're talking about. Of course, I wanted to go and find a, a a woman who's on a good path and could maybe lead me down the same one. But the question there is tolerance. How much does one have? Right. I met Very plenty true. of nice women who wanted to spend their time with me, and, and honestly, probably would give the effort to try and build me up. But and why didn't why didn't you work on that? that? Why didn't you work on that? They're not gonna go. Why didn't I? Because. After trying it once or twice, they're so revolted by after they sober up, after the, the bachelorette party that they met me at and the binge they went on for a week and their vacation and out of town and Snapchatting from Cabo and whatever, when all that fantasy <laughs> bullshit ends and she goes back to work at Quick and Loan, she's like, oh my God, this dude's a mess. Like He really is living that life. That wasn't just during the period of my vacation. Like This is dead ass how this dude is, so... Yeah, they, they, they pull back. So after yeah. a couple rounds of that, I was like, well, why not go back to, you know, my neighborhood where it's just 
it's just fast in the lifestyle. That's how people are. Waitresses, well, I, I they think, cooks, I think cooks, a lot of times bartenders. It happens. I think a lot of times women love to feel and think that they can change a man and make him better or different. Yeah, and, a lo- and you probably saw that with a lot of women that were trying to change you and you revolted. That fe- is that, that, feeds, is that, that feeds their purpose. Yeah. yeah. Women need that at For a certain sure. point. They get to the point where whether whatever it is in their life makes them feel empty, they will take on a little project, a little guy who's rough around his edges. Not only will they get a little something on the side, but at the same time, like they get to feel useful and and they went ahead and, and really changed, did their best to change someone's life, and he turned around and burned me, and now it's a Facebook story, and everyone feels bad for him. Like, right. it's a whole thing. You know, I've seen it happen a billion times, not only with myself, but others. Like, good job. You know, I hope all the pats on the back were worth all the money you spent, you know, trying to pseudo-date me and, and, and build me up or whatever and did nothing for me. So, um, fast-forwarding a little bit, did you... Um, so take me to prison. Um, were you dating just before that? The first time you ever went? Yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah. do you think, and, and where's your heart broken? Were you heartbroken? No, no, I got lucky on that one. Oh man, I got lucky. Because what, what happened before the first time you ever went? I was dating um, a girl for a good stretch, about a year, and then we broke up in October, and I got arrested in January. Okay. So I had only had a couple months where I was kind of just seeing a girl I worked with or whatever. Do you think it was a build-up? You don't think it was a build-up from October? And After you the were breakup? just kind of like, you know, bootied out in a sense? To where you were like, uh, just like lost in a, in a sense. No, you know what? I was I was actually relieved when, when said, said girlfriend disappeared around that time, that fall, October time. When she was gone, it was more or less a relief, and I got to go back. I actually was doing really well. The situation that occurred was kind of like just a jump off. Like There was no preparation going into it. It was spur of the moment, and it went down the way it did based strictly on principle. It wasn't even personal, really. Okay, so so fast forward though, you're in there, you're in prison. All right. What's what was going through your mind? Yeah, they they always talk about when you go to Jackson, Michigan, the you know it's one of the oldest prisons in the state or whatever, second oldest in the state ever built. It looks like a crazy old castle, and when you pull up in the bus, ever you know anyone in jail, always said. You know, there's nothing more intimidating than that first when you get off the bus shackle and you start walking through, like, this fence corridor and you see... Were people barking at you? No, 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 Did no, you have not, other prisoners barking at you're you? You're not there yet. No, you're not there yet. This is, like, okay. off the bus yeah. and leaving outside, walking into the initial building. You go through, like, a booking process. Right, right. That takes pretty much, like, 12 hours. So you don't see nothing until the end of the day. And by the end of the day, the prisoners are, you know, pretty much asleep. It's at night. Oh, okay. But no, the first day you just, you go in, you, you walk down this hallway and you get processed. They ask you your name, do fingerprints, change your clothes, take pictures of your tattoos, you know, check for contraband, all, you know, whatever. Man, and, and were you, what was it like the next day? Were you just like... Oh, shit, waking up in a box. Were you yeah. just, I mean, were you dumbfounded that you were there? Yeah, I mean, so I got handed down my sentence and I had a few days 
that it in jail still that it sank in. Right. So I knew what to you expect. You knew it was gonna be a while? Oh I knew I knew at that point they had sentenced me to do thirty months in the Department of Corrections. So I wow. knew I was going. It wasn't a surprise. Right. I had had like a three day window to mentally prepare for that on that fourth day to go to Jackson. So Yeah, no, it was bad though. You definitely that first morning waking up and being like, I'm actually in prison and I have to be here for 30 months, it was intimidating for sure. And that's not even long compared to everyone else around you. So what, now that you're, now that you were in there, what did you do to survive? Because you're not a meathead. You're, you know, you don't, you're just, you're a skateboarder pretty much. So what did you do to survive? And did they single you out? immediately when you got there or what was no, it like? I got lucky so during the screening process they pretty much you meet with a, almost like a counselor and they they assess like your crime your background your history where you're from blah 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 the guy actually looked out and was like I'm gonna send you far away from here but he's like I'm gonna send you to like one of the most laid-back privileged environments you can be in while doing time and he's like and if you follow the rules you You'll do all of your time there, and you'll go home like nothing ever happened. Like you went to uh, an adult camp, pretty much. Okay. So I knew I was going to go there. Right. So that happened. I spent 30 days pretty much in a one-man cell, only let out three times a day to eat. And then there's phone calls you were able to use, but infrequently. So really no free time. So that time, I mean, barely books, nothing. Like no interaction. All you can do is yell. Did you cry when you first got there? I feel like I dropped a tear or two, but I did not have, like, that, like, head down in the knees weeping moment. I didn't feel sorry for myself. If anything, the only thing I truly felt bad about was for my family and friends that I, you know... Who, I who was out. the first person you thought of when you were in there? My grandma. Okay. Hell yeah, of course. OG. Nice. So your grandma's been there a lot for for your whole thing? Yeah. She's yeah. definitely rode the bit with me. Yeah, so, um, I mean, if that's the case, I, I would think of it as, like, you're an investment to her. And um, you have to protect your investment. Um, that's a good way of looking at it, for sure. I, you know, I would think that, because now I'm sure you smarten up um, going through that. And you got to protect your investment and move forward. So... Going through it though, back to prison. Uh, how many how many years did you do? I did two and a half years in prison in one sentence. Wow! At one time it was the longest time I'd ever done. But collectively, had you, had you missed holidays before? Yeah, like just in jail. I was gonna say collectively as a whole. Prior to that situation, I'd probably done about the equal amount incarcerated in jails on top of it for various, once again, mischief, mischievous type of situations. Right. So I had served time in, in jail before that already. Now we're incarcerated. What was, what was the people like? Was it a mix of different cultures and colors? Was it younger cats? Was it older heads? You know, what, what was the crowd mix? Now you're getting somewhere. So it is absolutely not what you expect at all from watching TV programs. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of the TV programs, that. 
they even have ones as close as like oh you know they're showing prisons in Ohio and stuff like that, which you know relatably there are a lot of people from Ohio incarcerated in Michigan as well due to like drug trafficking on five seventy five nine ninety four, so. But no, the the people inside prison when you walk in there, you in, initially when you're there with all the people mixed up, yeah, it's a tough crowd. That's right. not where you want to be and. I don't mean to be vulgar or anything, but for anyone listening that has ever gone through, you know, a, a situation where they've been incarcerated and you probably got a single shower in the big house, you're, we're talking like 20 people showering and, and there's no rules. There's no one telling you where to go. You've got to figure it out yourself. That's a, being a, you know, five foot, ten-ish white dude, that was a scary situation to be dead ass honest about it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you got to deal with that for about 30 days and gang banging and stealing but eventually you know you get to where you're going yeah, the did people you see are, did you see other dudes violate other dudes sexually no, or no thankfully no I anything did not. like that no, no I didn't now I'll tell you I'll tell you how that plays out so there's so many homosexuals anyways in society and in and with the day and age the way it is now that might have been a thing in the 80s and the 90s in the prison culture that that was like a, you know, demasculating thing to do to someone. But nowadays, if a dude is in prison and he's gay, he doesn't want to risk having to go hold someone at knife point and go back to prison or stay in prison longer, longer to right. have sex with someone. There's fairies all over the yard. You know right. what I mean? They'll do it for a couple bags of chips. So, like, you know, there's none of really that. That whole aspect of it's gone. The worst thing that's going to happen to you in prison is you're going to get poked with something weird that they ripped off something, you know, some metal, right. get sharpened up and turned into a knife, or you're going to get all your your locker popped open and all your TV and electronics and food stolen. That's about as bad as it gets, but you got to Now, did you have anything stolen from you? Yeah, I got... While you were in there? Yup. I, I got in a couple situations where something got stolen that, you know, cost over $100, and it had to get taken care of down the line. Initially, it wasn't like, again, a situation you'd see in a movie where the person goes and gets a knife and goes running down the hallway to go take care of dude. Now, again, a prison common misconception is the way things play out. They play out over a long period of time because that's all people have in prison is time to plan out stuff. Right. You know, you got to figure out a way if you're going to retaliate not to get caught. So... I mean, my point kind of rests there, how that all played out. I'm sure you can figure out. Yeah, so, um, were you making trades? Yeah. Were you making trades oh, yeah, and stuff currency. to survive? Yeah, you got to. I mean... What, what was your... Like, everybody has different things. Like, some people draw, some people have people bring in dope for them, <laughs> you know, and then trade in that. Like, what was your thing? Uh, you said it earlier, yeah, you don't seem like a meathead. I actually worked out for, for the entire duration of my prison sentence. About an hour and a half a day, I jogged a lot. I got really involved. No, what in, was your trade? Like, uh, what did you trade as far as commissary? Oh, Not oh, your, your trade, trade as far as working. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, what, what <laughs> I trade? Coffee all day. Oh, okay. Coffee, definitely my and that was And that was like from your commissary? Yeah, but... The point is, yeah, you buy bags of coffee and you can bag them in. I mean, it's, it's no different than selling weed. You bag them in dimes. And what were you trying to get? Did you get cigarettes? What was uh, your, I was going to get to that. So, yeah, there's there's definitely things that you want in prison that you can't have 
by administrative rules, so there's other ways of procuring things. And the way that you would do that is there's not very many accepted currencies, but coffee is one of them because a small amount of coffee is worth a lot. Right. Comparably to ramen noodles, Doritos, whatever other type of item we're talking, that takes up a lot of space. Coffee is concentrated and ha holds a price value. So you can give someone $100 in a coffee bag, and it's the size of a laundry bag. It's not a huge amount of food to move. Right, so right. My whole thing with the tr my trade being coffee is, you know, if I bag up 13 shots, I'm going to get 18 back. Now, did you ever have everybody rip you off while you were trading? You So the thing with that how is... Do you, how do you yeah. know? How do, how do you decide that, hey, this guy's straight or this guy's kind of sketchy? I would, only, I would only deal in basically like trading coffee for something that I can upsell, whether it be clothing, electronics, or contraband. You know, that's initially the type of currency I would use to, to purchase those things and then would get rid of it immediately. I, like you said earlier, tend to be a social person. I immediately had connections all over the place. So I knew where to wow. take things, you know. Wow. People would hand so me So did they something. show you a lot of love? Did they, were they pretty good about your character? Or were there people that tried to get tough with you in there? Yeah, there's definitely situations where people get tough, but... Let's not forget, like, I went to prison for being tough. So, I mean, like, I never, that didn't, that didn't ever leave me. Walking in the door, I said, don't ever forget what, what it is that you walked in here for and the things that you were doing before you came into this environment. It might be ran by the inmates that were in there before me. Right. And I'm just a small fish. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to back down this whole experience either, especially not for some promise, like, you know, they're not going to not let you go because you did what you had to do. Was it predominantly um, a certain race? Or was, yeah, it, a, was it a mixed race? Yeah, so it's like, it's probably like... Because you know how you see in the movies, there's like yeah. blacks stay with blacks and mm -hmm. whites stay with whites and the Mexicans are with Mexicans uh, or Latinos. So how did that play out? But yeah, actually... Is that true that they really do that yeah, like that? Oh yeah, yeah so, okay. so there's allegiances, there's all the gangs, whatever. But right, at the right. same time, like, not everybody holds up this gangbanger facade or this tough guy facade the whole time. Like, we have to live with each other in the hallways, in the shared bathrooms, shared common areas, shared workout equipment. Were there Bloods and Crips in there as well? Yeah, the... Uh, See, a blood or a crip, like a blood is more common in this area, but a crip is not very common. But there are branches of the original crips that are other organizations that are definitely predominant in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Oh, wow. I mean, those being like Gangster Disciples or the Cobras. I mean, there's other gangsters. I mean, so you never saw one. anybody get shanked in there or anything? I did. I did see that, but not towards me but yeah right no, right yeah just just kind of went down and what was it over was it over like a bag of chips or something stupid i wish i could tell you that it was <laughs> but at the same time like i don't i never even asked it's one of those things like when something like that happens you just i don't want to be involved and in not it. involved yeah it's, and i sure. don't even want someone coming up mm -hmm. and asking me like why i asked about it because it gets so serious like that like Let's not forget most people. Yeah, because it makes you look sketchy. Most of the biggest, asking. big, yeah. the real, the real ones that are out there are in the joint because they got snitched on, not because they got caught up. Right. Most of the real ones had paperwork put on them, 
So they're real funny about how you speak and how you move. And that's something that you learn in there that I've actually carried out into society now. I'm a lot more observant of people's behaviors and body language and etc. Because that's something you have to learn when you're in there to know who to keep away from you or who to who to even open up a, a simple dialogue with. Now, what was the youngest person that was in there that you saw? 18 in Michigan. They don't 18? do they don't do minors. Okay. Wow. They used to back in the day they had a separate And prison. was it for was it for mild crimes? Oh no. Or no, they, had they did pretty heinous. Murderers. Oh, I mean, wow. anything from... Yeah, because there, there's like, um, you know, I see these kids who are even 13, 14, and they're doing some real heavy crimes that you hear about, you know. So I imagine that the prison population is actually filled with younger people. Is it just my imagination? You called it. Yeah, I mean, it is. is that is that right? Or is that, it is. Okay. It is. Yeah, so... What would you say to a younger person who thinks that they have to, because they're really about that life, yeah. you know, to where they feel that they have to do this. I was just talking to this guy. He said that he literally fought. Uh, he, he grew up in the hood. He fought because it made him cool. He liked the status that it gave him when he fought people. And he would just literally fight people just for reputation. He didn't care about um, the person necessarily. Mm. He cared about his reputation. So, what would you say to these younger guys? Like, do you think that they have to um, do stuff like that to prove a point or to get where they want to go? I said it to a lot of younger guys actually. While I was there, I spent a lot of time talking to people. I was a GED tutor actually for about a year. I would tell people all the time when they were younger than me that, man, I remember like it was yesterday, just like I explained in this interview, how things went down and the important lessons that I learned along the way that be turned into values. And I would just sit there and I'd be like, man, you have to like, it's, it's not that they don't, it's not that they feel like they have to do this to gain some type of rep. It's to the point now, like where it's even hitting different, where the only option is to not care at all. Like, the law don't exist. Right, right. The law don't exist. There's no opportunity for me. I'm going to sell this dope, and if you cross my path, like, I'll straight blow you in. That's just how it is. Like, because that's exactly think, what they're doing I on think the next being, I think not having a father plays a big part. I think not having your biological father, because uh, every criminal you ever hear from it's like their father situation just wasn't there. You know? Do you think that that plays a part? That's a good way to bring it back around, yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I don't think my father would have been prepared to give me the knowledge that I had to find on my own through the paths that I chose to gain that knowledge, he wasn't even prepared to give that to me. So I can't tell you if he would have made the right decisions in parenting to prevent me from doing what I was doing. No, he might not have made the right decisions, but he might have helped you make the right decisions. Don't you no, think? No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even think mentally he was there. I think he took his hiatus based on the fact that he was doing self-work and he had to be lonely for that period of time to do to get himself to the, to the point where... 
he felt like he could at least step in and do damage control and build from that point. Right. And I look at it from a reasonable and logical perspective. I don't fault him for it. It was actually like the best movie he could have made. Because like I said before, I don't feel like he was prepared to be able to prevent and without doing that self work, like he would have been even less prepared. Than so, he was when he walked in, stepped up ready for action. So, um, backing up a little, when you got out, what did you do? And how'd you feel? Oh, man. That's where it really, gets, it really goes off the rails. So, yeah, getting out of prison, I spent my two and a half years in prison doing all this. And what'd you do? Man, what, what's, the, what's the first thing you did? Like, when you got out, oh. were you just like, uh, Slamming brews, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, like, what, I mean, what was your thing? <laughs> so, so this is the best. Because you part. also had money saved up, didn't I, you? Yeah, I had, yeah. A, I had a good amount of money. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is I walked out of there, and I had this like holier than thou type of aura, or type of like thing going on, where I just was like Mister Alcoholics Anonymous, and I could recite the steps backwards off dome like. I, you know, and I was going to go out and I was going to start a small business because I took some seminar up in the Department of Corrections and I was really feeling real juicy about myself. And I walked out the door and I took a breath of normal people air and I was just like, <laughs> everything. Is it different inside there? You, you're in this environment. You're in an environment where you can go. You feel the you air. Got, man, you, you're no. saying that you feel the air in prison is no, different. No, it's more of a metaphor. Oh, okay. But I just mean like in prison, you can you can go so far deep down the rabbit hole in your mind. You can put yourself into whatever pair of shoes you want to wear when you walk out the door. Okay. But it's like, gotcha. how far are you about to step in them? You know, was I? I made myself out to be this dude, and as soon as I stepped out the door, like my shoes weren't ready for it. I could only take a few steps before I like crash and burned again. Because I didn't plan correctly. So, so I didn't plan for the pitfalls. I wasn't ready for all the pitfalls, man. So when you got out, um, was everybody happy to see you? Yeah, and, and funny you bring that up. I went to a bonfire that night. I had family time and whatever. And you got to do the whole sh- shower and shave and, and get yourself right, together, tight move, and go through old things. And you know, I was getting everything together. Luckily, I had a place to go to with all my belongings still. A lot of people don't even have that. So, right. But anyway, so yeah, so I went out that night to a bonfire around old friends that I've had since I was a kid. And I'm like, yo, give me a Miller Lite. I already had a beer that day. <laughs> They're all drinking beers. And they looked at me like I was insane. Like I like I completely loved like, So they tried to stop you? Yeah. They tried to stop you from well, drinking? No, they... That's the thing. They'll never stop me from doing nothing. No right. one's ever going to stop me from doing whatever I want, period. But they were they, they made comments. They, they were trying to give advice, friendly advice. Right. Hey, bro, are you really sure you should do that? You know, it's your first day. Maybe you could go a whole day without drinking and then think about if, that's, that's if you want to do the same thing again or whatever. You know, and, and I said, nope, I already drank today. I've already been cracking beers. Like, let's go, boys. Like, let's right. forget this even happened two and a half years. Can we go back to right where we were? So did you just totally forget everything you just went through? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what? Yes. I mean, how do you go that long of pain and torture, basically? Mental torture. Oh, man. Um, you know, and then 
just forget it all. Yo, so it's like... How do you do that? How does Lauren even do that? I'll tell you, it's easy. <laughs> I don't get it. So the whole time I spent in there, I did exactly the same routine. I drank my whey protein at the same time every morning. I lifted weights at the same time every day. I took the same nap. I watched the same news program. I read books at the same time every day. I had the Are same... you an avid reader? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love, oh, that's love good. reading books. So I read... I read all these books, and I, I did my little prison job. I was a GD tutor. You know, I did that. By the end of the day, I was tired, which is exactly the result I was trying to get so I could sleep a good eight hours. I did it so much that days blurred into months, and it, the time accelerated so, so fast. So it went fast by the more you do. But it was the first six months and the last six months that killed me. The rest of it blew by because... I was counting time in seasons. And were were girls writing you in there? On and off, yeah. I mean, I showed... How consistent were they? I showed no love. I told them there's no reason to even talk to me because I can't do shit for you. Like, like, and I get it now. Like, maybe that's... There are people out there I mean, don't you feel you could have built something with somebody? Yeah, but I I, I feel like I was already on to this little path that I'm on now where it's like I have to be selfish and lonely at this point. Like, I have to. So, so I was on it. Like, I was I was cutting everybody off because I was so pissed off. I'm saying, why am I here? Why am I here? And I'm thinking all these situations. And I'd go in my head, I'd say, why was I even with that person? I don't even like that person. Right. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah. Because you were sober yeah. now. You were sober. Oh, yeah. And also. I'd say, what was I doing with them? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, they called me to see if I want to go to the bar. I went to the bar with somebody who I hated. And ended up getting into an argument in Uber, and they charged me twenty five dollar fee for punching somebody. Like this was the next time. Just random you had, stuff. You had, so you you got out. You oh no, you, this you got this is just in about, the past. This is in the oh, past. Okay, I'm saying okay, like gotcha. like I'm sitting there going, why why would I even want to keep in touch with my dog, my fam, my homie, these people I came up with, bro? Yeah. That was all a drunken blur of nonsense that I <laughs> pretty much like half hated in Detroit for Metro Detroit. As a, as a whole, pretty much half right. of them hate me at this point for my antics in the city. Like, So it's like I'm in there wondering, wh- why am I loyal to these people that serve no purpose, that have only served to defeat me? Right. And I'm sitting there in, in the ship sinking with them. Like, So, yeah, as soon as I, you know, when you're in there, you realize all that stuff. So, yeah, I cut everybody off for the most part. So, but, but you ended up getting in trouble again after when you got out? Uh-huh. Yeah, real quick. And did you go back to prison, or did you just do jail time? What yeah, happened? I went. I did both. I did 90 days in jail and six months in prison. Wow. I had to go back, because in Michigan, you don't get a definite prison sentence. You get a minimum with a tail, and my tail tends to be in the, in the decades, not just in single digits. So they can, theoretically, or hypothetically, they could send me back on and off for an extended period of time, depending on my conduct, wow. until I get released from parole. When you're released from parole... And how, many, how, many, how much more time do you get off that? Ten months. Wow, you think you'll make it? I do. That's good. I'm very confident this time around. What, I, I what's what's different? What's before. different this time around compared to other times? It's back to the loneliness. I don't feel like I'm trying to... Uh, I don't feel like I'm serving any 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 purpose like or not purpose. I'm not serving any any person. 
in a sense where like what we discussed earlier with what people do to try and make someone else happy to serve a purpose for themselves I'm not actively doing anything like that all the energy I'm exerting that I go to sleep and build up over the night I put into myself right now and I feel like I've really deserved that so what are you doing as far as work was it hard to get a job what was that like getting out man I don't I always hear people say it's so hard it's so hard it's so hard I don't understand what they're talking about because economically in our situation now it's extremely easy to get a job but also I mean in the training that I have I don't really ever feel like I'll have a problem getting jobs anywhere a job and a career are two different things I'm trying to I'm trying to have a career at this point right and not work jobs ever again do you believe in yourself yeah I definitely believe myself in a different way than I did a couple do you, years ago. Do you, yeah, I was just going to say, did you, do you think before this all went down, did you believe in yourself back in the day? So I used to have a saying, and I'd always, when people would get all religious with me, I'd say, I only believe in myself. And, and it's, it, it, and it's you, still... And you it's, probably truly didn't at that time. No, I, but I, meant, said that. I, I only meant it kind of in like, just a, an offensive way to them because I knew it would hurt their feelings. Right. Because of what they believe in, seeing someone deny everything it is they founded their life on. It was right. strictly out of would you say? Would you say you're a pessimist? No. I don't think I'm... Pe- I, no, I'm not pessimistic, no. Were you back then? I was, but sadly not for the reasons that I thought I was. Okay. It's it's so much sadder than that. And like do you I was feel convinced more of an optimist these days. I was convinced that I was choosing to be a pessimist, that I was doing it on purpose to like, you know, fit an image, or I was I was I was really trying to portray something, or or, or I was working towards a different person that I wanted to be. And it's so funny because like, once again, chose an avenue that was going to do and nothing but self harm. Right. You know what I mean? And when you go back and look at it, it's like. I thought that was a good idea. I sat there and looked in the mirror wearing that outfit with this set of like ideals and walked out the door into the world and contributed that filth. Like, I just can't believe that whatever I was thinking back then that I thought that that would be a classy move. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the reason I ask is because um, you know people when they've gone through a certain trauma or something and then they come out of it and they rebuild their life or get it together. They try and go back and diagnose themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and when they diagnose themselves, it actually helps them in the long run of their future self, you know, so that's why I asked, what is your thoughts on your own self? Did you di- diagnose yourself, do you think? I love, I love that opinion. No, it's like, like, you can diagnose all day, but I mean, like, am I going to go in and go see Tammy Brewster? you know, psychoanalyst (laughs) who's like trailer trash from, that works on a sex phone line or something from her trailer. Right. Like, is she going to be my psychoanalyst? Like, anyone can analyze anything, but if they don't have an actual, like, background in any type of, like, formal education of any sort on that topic, even without, you can still get an understanding of yourself. But, but all you have to do is crack a book and dedicate, like, maybe eight hours to it. And you'll have a totally different opinion on psychoanalysis. And you'll also be able to more properly self-diagnose and change your future towards, like, whatever it is that you were initially planning on changing yourself towards. Like, all it takes is minimal effort, really, to get a grasp on something and have, like, a better direction. But the point I'm making is no one does that. 
And I, that's why I've never given a, a care about what someone's going to self-diagnose me as because, like, my diagnosis is just as good as yours, and I'll diagnose myself <laughs> as peachy keen and perfectly fine as I'm lighting a fire in your living room. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's reckless. So, so how do you see your future? Where do you see yourself uh, 10 years from now? Ooh, I've been working towards the five-year one. Five-year plan is like the, the really most important. Well, in ten years yeah, you'll, be, that, you'll be forty, though, right? But in the ten, I'll be forty-three. So. The seven-year plan. Where am I going to be at forty? Where are you going to? Yeah, even forty. Where you? Where you think you see yourself? <sighs> so. Do you have? Do you think yeah. you have a girlfriend? <laughs> or a wife? Jesus, by then, you know, it's going to have to be. I think that that's, that's something that... And do you want kids? I hate that stupid point because all that does is make me... It sets me out there as, like, looking bachelor or some, you know, something like that when it's really not that. It's just, like, in seven years, doing the things that I'm doing and, and staying on the path that I'm on, putting out the energy that I am, I feel like I will attract someone who might want to go for a long run. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, like, yes, it's in my plan and I will make sure it happens because whether they, they're they here or they're not, they come and they go. Right. Either way, like, the game don't stop, so. But do I see the permanency of someone at seven years? Yeah, I hope so. I do because this this whole taking girls what, to Somerset after thing, two days what's the is the best thing? Boring. What's the best thing you think that you have to offer to a woman? Right now, nothing. That's why that's why I'm doing what I'm doing for me. That's why I'm dolo and, and doing self-help because... You want to know, know what I think? Yeah. You want to know what I think just even by talking to you or whatever? You know what I think that you have great to offer? Tell me. That women love is uncertainty. When a woman knows that you're going to be like all lovey-dovey and like I love you, I love you, and all that, it's a given. She knows it's going to be like that, right? Or like when you have that good night text and you're like, good night, and it's just so basic. She expects that. Mm, that's what I want to What you avoid. have, and from the sounds of it, you have the uncertainty, and that's what, and I think you can bank off that. Um, in moving forward, uh, I think that you do need, I, I well, I don't think you need anyone, but I think that a woman, as long as you're building something with her, that that'll help you. All I see is that she's going to want her cut when the end comes, or <laughs> 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 well, whatever it is we built. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, oh, that's true, but I, know, I mean, and that, are... and that just goes back to paying homage. That's yeah. That's like you have to thank the people who helped you along the way. Yeah, I can't but, give back um, no emotion. You know, I can't. We can't split the emotions though. You know what I mean? When you no, that is understandable. Someone, I I agree that sometimes the butterfly it can be too you. much. It can be too much of an emotional investment that you're putting too much. Now, I wouldn't say rush into a relationship. I think you should actually get off a of paper and just do you do what you're doing. It sounds like you it's got safe. your. Yeah, oh, it's safe. It, it is and really it's safe. working. Exactly, because she can derail your whole thing yes. if you're if you're not because uh, it is a game, you know. It's a game. It's a game of love me, love me nots, you know, and it's it's like you're gonna have to play that game. 
But when you do get back into that game, I I see personally from what I've heard and seen that you do have a bright future ahead of you. I hope that when you that you take all this um, information that you've been through, and I hope you help somebody with it, because at the end of the day, that's what I think we're here for. You know, like I think that you should help whoever it is. I don't care if it's like some homeless dude on the street. Like, I really think you have more to offer than you think you do. You know, and I hope that you continue to keep that in mind going forward. Um, you don't strike me as a person who would have ever been to prison. Um, I know you don't want pity, or, and I'm not trying to give that, um, but I'm sorry what you've been through. You know, that's, that's a, a shitty situation, and no one, especially if you're not committing super heinous crimes, should have to go through that. So yeah, man. Thank you, thank you for being on. Uh, it's been such a pleasure interviewing you. Uh, I know we got to get going. We're a little over our time, so we got to wrap it up. But it, uh, closing, is there anything that you would like to say to anyone out there as far as um, what they can do to to stay on the right path? Yo, like yeah, definitely. I'm glad you plugged me at the end. It's uh, it's one of those things where like. You were talking about take what you were given this traumatic experience and turn it into a positive. Like that's that probably is the greatest thing that I received from the whole experience was the person I was before is not who I am now. I had the opportunity to actually reinvent myself in a positive light, and I'm glad that I had the time to do that because I am going to return the favor. I'm going to turn this around, this negative traumatic experience I went through. The only way it would be right to go through it and heal is to give back. So that's definitely in my plans to do. And I think that's going to turn around and be the greatest gift that I received from such a, you know, traumatic and horrible experience. And I appreciate you having me on, Josh. It's always good seeing you. And it's cool we had the time to do this, you know. For sure. Thanks for being on Sympathy with Josh. All right. Yep. Take care. You too, man.